I'm addicted to RuPaul's Drag Race now. I have finally come into my own as a gay man. In the past three and a half weeks, I have watched RuPaul's Drag Race UK season two, RuPaul's Drag Race seasons four, five, six, seven, eight, (gasps) nine, ten, eleven. All Stars 1, All Stars 2, You're lying All Stars to me. 3, and now I'm starting All Stars 4. Three weeks. If I didn't know you so well, I would think that you're lying, but you're Mr. I watched all of Sex and the City in one weekend, so it it checks out. <laughs> it checks out. I, it's probably not healthy, the like concentrated dose of just pure oh gay that has been injected into me, <laughs> where like I'm like in bed and I'm sort of like, Yes, God. Like doing mouth pops <laughs> oh and like God, a fucking like, shit like that. This is like your this is like your sweet sixteen. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm sitting there watching Trixie Mattel go, come on, chin strap. And I'm like, <laughs> done. It's it's not good. Welcome or welcome back to Poor Unfortunate Podcast. I'm Caroline Ametti. And I'm Connor Perkins. Welcome to any new listeners who are joining us. Thank you for being here. And for any returning listeners, it's great having you back with us again. Make sure that you hit follow or subscribe wherever you are listening to the podcast. That way all of our episodes download right to your device, uh, including any new bonus episodes that might be coming your way. Additionally, You'll want to make sure that if you like this episode to tap five stars and leave a review. This is going to help other people find the podcast, helps us be seen in search results. And it's honestly one of the best ways to, you know, just show a little bit of love back towards us. So thank you so much for doing that. So Caroline, what's new? So in parks related news, we have gotten word that some favorites will be returning to Disney parks. So come 2022, we will see the return of Fantasmic, which is great news. Oh, thank God. I was so scared that they were going to take that from us, too. I, I don't know why. I just had this pit in my stomach that, like, that was going to happen. The only thing that didn't make me fear that was I'm like, right now, they're so lazy. They wouldn't even come up with something <laughs> to put there. So <laughs> True. Fair. Fair. We're also getting back the Festival of Fantasy Parade. I personally, I wish they had taken this moment to come up with something new, but all right. But hey, it's a parade, not a cavalcade. That's a yeah, fun announcement. Parade. Yeah, that's really true. In terms of movies, Encanto is out in theaters. Fantastic reviews, fantastic box office numbers. But uh, also in terms of viewing, we had Hawkeye come out on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. That looks really good. I'm excited Yeah, first two episodes. And there's been all this fuss and buzz about Rogers the Musical, which happens within Hawkeye. And people are like, Really wanting that to become a full-fledged musical. People are coming up with stuff about it on TikTok. So I'm excited to catch up with all that as well. We we love a TikTok musical uh, over here. We do. So. <laughs> we do, especially a Disney TikTok musical. Oh, that was a year ago. Time yeah. flies. Yeah. Hmm. Other stuff happening. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is getting ready to come out. The Book of Boba Fett is getting ready to premiere on Disney+. Plus, So lots of some fun new releases. But there's one thing that I actually want to talk about that is a bit of Disney news, but not, you know, traditional Disney canon news. So if you are a fan of Poor Unfortunate Podcast and you don't know about Defunct Land, Mm. you should know Mm -hmm. about Defunct Land so Defunct Land was created by Kevin Perjur, and it is like a YouTube channel. There's a podcast that's part of it. And it's about all of the things in Disney and Disney parks that have gone defunct over the years. And 
Kevin has most recently done a feature length documentary exploration of Fast Pass. It is absolutely incredible. You can watch it on YouTube. It was one of the most informative, detailed, honestly beautiful like storytelling I- I've seen in a documentary in a long time. It-, it was so creative, and it is currently like my favorite Disney thing right now. So <gasps> highly recommend just go on YouTube, watch this video. It's it's gonna open your eyes about a lot and a lot of stuff that we rant about on this podcast Mm. in terms of equity, class systems that are created in the parks, things like that. So definitely give that a watch if those are some of the topics that, you know, interest you when we start talking about them. Oh, I'm so excited to, I'm excited. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's the main stuff we've got going on right now. Jumping back a couple of episodes to some of the Disney news we were talking about, we mentioned that we had the opportunity to see, we just call it the Winnie the Pooh show. It's Winnie the Pooh, the new musical stage adaptation that is currently running in New York City, 42nd Street Theater Row. We were lucky enough to go and see it. It was fantastic. And this this episode is so exciting because we are speaking with one of the incredible members of the cast, Emmanuel Elpenord, who plays Eeyore, Rabbit, and Owl. But before we get to that amazing interview that we had with him, we just want to talk a bit about going to see the show and just like, we can't say enough good things about it, really. Yeah, surprise. This wildcard episode is an interview. It's not a game. So, I mean, (laughs) I know. (laughs) What a a change up for us. (laughs) So this show... If you get to New York City around the holidays, if you, you know, are around in the area, this is definitely something that should be on your list of things to do. It is truly a magical show. It's perfect for families. Mm -hmm. It's affordable. And it's a great introduction to theater if you've got some younger people Mm -hmm. in your group. But if you're an older person who kind of like a couple episodes ago when we did the character curations and I talked about Pooh, Winnie the Pooh is timeless. Mm -hmm. And this show similarly is timeless. And it applies to people of all ages. It was an absolutely magical experience. You walk into this theater and you're in the Hundred Acre Wood. It's, Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. The lighting, the sets the effects, the music, the original orchestrations along with the Sherman Brothers music, the way that they've, you know, woven different themes from Winnie the Pooh properties Mm -hmm. over the years into the orchestrations. It is truly singular. It is really a -a one-of-a-kind Winnie the Pooh experience. And if you are a fan of Winnie the Pooh, it needs to be on your list of things to do. And I realize I just rhymed. Fun. (gasps) Adorable. And I just have to say... A bit about the way that the entire experience is run as well, which is absolutely incredible. First of all, everybody working box office, front of house, just everyone is so kind and delightful and warm. But also, this is so amazing, just like any other theater experience, anyone who is 12 or older has to be fully vaccinated, wear a mask the entire performance. But obviously, this is this is child friendly. So they have a van parked outside of the theater that will do a rapid test for any kids who are not old enough to be vaccinated to take before the show. And so Connor and I were meeting outside the theater before the show, watching all of these little kids pop into the seat, get their little COVID test. Yeah. And then like go into the theater and enjoy the show. And they make it so gentle and easy for children. And it's just like, that's what it can be. It can just be seamless and simple and everyone can go into the theater feeling as safe and as relaxed as possible and I cannot say enough about how comforting that was and I just I gotta give a huge round of applause for that because that's we don't know how long we're going to be dealing with this and they dealt with it seamlessly and wonderfully it was amazing yeah absolutely so if you don't really know anything about Winnie the Pooh the new musical stage adaptation uh this show is a musical, as we said, and it is done by fabulous actors and puppets. So all of the Winnie the Pooh characters have been realized in these truly state-of-the-art, gorgeous puppets that have been created specifically for this show. 
expertly handled by these actors and puppeteers. The actors, they're just doing so much to inhabit the world, inhabit these characters, and bring these puppets to life. I mean, you're sitting there and you're like, I know that there is an actor right there manipulating everything, but this puppet is alive. It's it's so incredible. The merchandise also, because How did we we escape? Okay, this is what I need to talk about. How did me and you escape that theater without a piece of merch? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know, but they have created plush toys based on the puppets. So they are the full Mm -hmm. designs of the puppets. And these stuffed animals are amazing. And it is so cute. So freaking cute to look out in the theater and see all of these oh, freaking children holding their little stuffed animals of, the, of their favorite characters. Oh, God, I'm going to start crying. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh. too much. It's too much. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It's It was like, it was the, it's the cutest thing ever. And then you'll have to, we'll be featuring pieces of this on our social media as usual. But you'll have to check back because we were also lucky enough. I, I can't even believe this. When I told people who know me, they were like, how did you even survive this experience? But we got to meet Pooh. Oh, my God. After the show. And y'all. You took a selfie. Yeah. The people who work front of house are delightful. We'll take a photo for you. Me and Connor could barely pick one because we are smiling so hard. We actually look like we have lost our minds. <laughs> <laughs> and we're wearing masks. So it's literally just a bunch of crazy eyes. We won't show you these pictures. <laughs> But it's just, I mean, the, these performers are so incredible. And, and I remember we got to go out there, meet Pooh, and I'm just like looking into the face of this puppet. And I'm just like, I'm, I am i don't know. I feel like my brain short circuited. And I was just like, it's Pooh. Like, it's finally happened. Yeah. We're meeting Pooh. This is Pooh. It, I, I sound I sound like I'm losing it, but it, 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 that's what it felt like. Yeah. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So it is truly a remarkable show. It is a must-see, a must-do, especially around the holidays Mm -hmm. with families because the story itself takes place throughout the four seasons. You see Pooh and friends go through the changes of the seasons and, you know, picks up different storylines from different Winnie the Pooh tales and movies over the years integrated with the music. It's fantastic. You got to do it. You got to check it out. But without any further ado, this episode is our interview with Emmanuel Alpinard. So enjoy. Hello, everyone. So we are absolutely thrilled to pieces today to welcome a very special guest, Emmanuel Alpinard, who plays Eeyore, Rabbit, and Owl in Winnie the Pooh, the new musical stage adaptation, which opened on November 4th at the newly renamed 100 Acre Wood Theater at Theater Row on 42nd Street. Emmanuel, we're so happy that you're here. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm, I'm glad to meet y'all. <laughs> we're fan. We're fangirling a little um, because yeah. <laughs> we were lucky enough to see the show. Oh, you saw the show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Joe mentioned. Oh, well, then you. OK, then, then we thought you... we were standing out a little bit because it was like us and a bunch of children. And we were seated at first right in the middle of the theater. And oh, we were like, no. oh, my God. They sat us directly in front of two small children. And I was like, no, no. No, 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 no. And I went to the house manager. I was like, this won't do. You can't, you cannot sit us here. We need to sit in the back. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> we felt, so, we were like, oh God, we're the only adults. Yeah, and, but you'd be surprised. Like, th- there are a lot of like adult audience members that, you know, grew up on Winnie the Pooh who, who, who've turned out. So, like, no, no shame there. There's a there lot. There wasn't of- as much shame as soon as like the show started and then we started weeping. <laughs> <laughs> But we were – we're going to get into all of that. It's interesting that you talk about, you know, adults who are tied to Winnie the Pooh. We want to talk about that too. Um, but we are just so thrilled to talk to you. We were so blown away by your performance just because you play three different characters. Each of them were so different. The puppetry. We just can't wait to talk about this whole thing from a, a Disney perspective, which we love, but also um, from a performer perspective too because we're both performers too. So we are, we'd love to get into the nitty-gritty of it with you too. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, Emmanuel, let's just start out by you just telling us a little bit about yourself, your hopes, your dreams, your deep, dark secrets, star signs, Hogwarts houses. (laughs) Like, I'm just curious about you as an actor, as a puppeteer. Like, when did you know that you wanted to be a performer? Okay. You know, um, so when, like in high school, 
I was actually studying to be a vet. Oh, awesome. Like veterinary sciences. As a kid, I loved animals. I still do. And that was the plan. It was a three-year program that I uh, finished in three. The extra year was to, you know, repeat anything you needed, but I didn't. And I spent the last year doing extracurriculars, you know, uh, yearbook, the newspaper, and the acting studio, the acting uh, club. And recently recounting the story, that story, which is where like the kind of performative thing came. I was always a good student, but I was always, you know, a class clown as well. I remember in middle school, I was in the, the drama magnet there and got a major exposure to, to, to Shakespeare and, you know, improv and all, you know, that, that whole theatrical uh, tasting board, the sort of appetizer situation. Yeah. And, oh God, that's, it's like, it's such a, like, seems like such a leap because I didn't study puppetry at all. And yet, you know, years later, it's, it's become, you know, that, that my, my avenue. So how did that happen for you in terms of like what what navigated you into puppetry? Because that's such a niche art for sure. Very much, very much. And it is uh, that that has a more linear story. So when I graduated from from Brooklyn College um, or, or in my last year at Brooklyn College, one of the, the underclassmen, uh, I'll drop his name, Miles Butler, because, you know, shout out to Miles, shout out to Miles, invited me to a 24 hour play festival he was a part of. And in my team, you know, the 24 hour play festival team, I I think the audience and you guys know how that's kind of structured. Yep. (laughs) The 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 director, uh, Catherine Hart Deku, introduced me to the drilling company with whom I went on to do a bunch of Shakespeare and Bryant Park and that whole uh, relationship experience with them. And the writer was Brickin Sparacino, but she invited me to um, audition for a a puppet production at the Bronx Zoo because she was the head of the education department, the Wildlife Conservation Society, the five uh, zoos around the city. And um, it was a puppet show and she invited me because in our 24-hour play festival group, she asked us actors, like, what are some actor tricks we can work into the script and make the show interesting or whatever? And I was like, I, I do character voices. I do accents and little things. And and I did in the show. And I did at the audition. I didn't have any puppetry experience. Mind you, she asked if I did. And I didn't. And I was like, all right. I, but I, I'm a quick study. That's always the answer. Up. Yep. That's all I, you know, and it's true. I don't. But um, I can tell you that I, I can pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I did. That's awesome. I picked it up, and that was that was my first puppet uh, production, commuting from Coney Island to the Bronx Zoo oh. for 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 a oh summer. Oh my gosh! I don't envy that. <laughs> and then I did it. Uh, I did it for a second summer, the following year, and then uh, I think maybe like the year after that, I began um, marionette puppetry with the Swedish Cottage Marionette Theater. So I, I gained a lot of. Um, I think I've I've clocked the most hours experience with with string puppetry. Although you saw what I'm learning and have learned to do with uh with with hand and rod style in Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it's it's interesting with the way Eeyore is that there's kind of the same sort of like marionette kind of manipulation that was happening there, and that was like one of the things that just I thought was impeccable. It was so cool. Oh, I'm I'm uh, really touched, Kana. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I mean it. it you know. Um, I I guess to to speak to like the the workshop phase of the production to the to the mounting phase now um I wasn't as as part of part of the workshop process as much in between now and and the initial stages but I, I remember first experimenting with with the Eeyore puppet and like you know I'll I'll admit being a little bit intimidated by like my cast members experience and facility with with hand and rod style puppetry or, uh-huh. and um i was like all right i'm here i'm gonna bring my skill set like like how would i do this and i immediately was like oh yeah the the legs are dangling you know um i have that sort of a second sense of when the feet are on the ground because you can't really see with the way that the puppet is is there and you know mm-hmm. you become one with with the movement of the of, of the puppet in that way and so I'm, I'm glad, you know, 
a discerning outside eye sees that as well. I appreciate <laughs> oh, that yeah. very much. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, for our listeners, can you sort of explain the difference between marionette-style puppetry and hand and rod, just in your understanding of sure, it? You don't have to be like sure. an expert definition. It's good, good. <laughs> Remove all that pressure because it ain't going to happen. I'm going ex- <laughs> to explain it how I, how I might. Um, so to my understanding, um, hand and rod style... I guess in that technique, you're more within the puppet, such as your hand through the body and your your hand in the head, and you're you're controlling the puppet through di- direct manipulation. It's more about embodying the puppet in in that mm-hmm. case, maybe maybe pun intended. <laughs> oh, and I, I guess the more the larger difference is is you can indicate speech with the mouth of the puppet in in that Mm -hmm. style right whereas uh in marionette puppetry rather you're holding a controller separate from the puppet and it's connected by strings you know basic definition the puppet is outside of you you're trying Mm -hmm. to separate yourself from the puppet and like i guess kind of like like sending your sending the creativity through through telephone lines like it's like a long distance like like it's going down to the puppet and you're imbuing it with life as opposed to embodying the puppet in the hand and rod style that makes a lot of sense that's really beautiful imbuing versus embodying you're you're communicating life into it from a distance and i think I think I, I I have more facility with marionette puppetry. Mm. What yeah. projects have you worked on where you did marionette puppetry? Oh. Trying to like visualize. Um. Um, before joining the the roster at the at the Swedish Cottage, I was in a film, an independent feature film length uh, marionette production. Wow. Um, that was that was filmed at. Um, a theater space called Standard Toycraft in Williamsburg. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, like people, people have like you, you'll you'll know the place just like random, you know, studio rental shows and festivals and like full productions as well. But um, we shot a thing there, and I was an assistant puppeteer on that on that production. That was like my first marionette kind of tutorial level, kind of like okay, seeing it and getting in, and then eventually I, I um. You know, one thing leading to another, um, I auditioned uh, at the Marionette Theater for the voiceover part for like to because the, the shows are pre-recorded at the Marionette Theater. Um, and I didn't book that, but they invited <laughs> me to audition as a puppeteer. And I did. And like the rest is history as as far as um, as far as that goes. But beyond that, I puppeteered at um, at St. Anne's Warehouse with the 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 puppet lab of palooza festival wow wow that's awesome that's amazing i love those stories too where it just it all works out you touched on it a little bit already but we were kind of going to ask a bit about um since you said you kind of weren't there for all of the development of it but just like what your audition process was like for this and was your track of your three characters was it established that it would be an actor covering those three or was that something that came to be because you joined the project and your skill set, just like how did all of that come about? And we'd love to hear more about that. Sure. The um, so I I was there I I think for like what might have been the first iteration of the script, and at that point it was I believe Eeyore and Rabbit were were split as like a, a track together, and and when I was invited to read for that part and become part of the, the, the process at that level. I was like, oh, okay. That that makes sense. I'm not going to read too much into that about what that what that <laughs> means about, <laughs> about me and, and that. And uh I just won't read into it. And that and that's where that was. And I also um met a version of the Eeyore puppet at that point. Not not unlike the one that that's in the show now. But fast forwarding to the process now I'm not sure, but I I think I've heard I heard secondhand from from other cast members that they there was a little bit of a shuffle to see like what tracks made sense with what in terms of the timing of the show, but I think it it definitely panned out that these three characters the way this the, the scenes and the the dynamics and the pairings work out 
those should track together. And what was your connection to the world of Winnie the Pooh prior to being a part of this process prior to the audition? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add a little silence there because this is this is my like. They're gonna find me out. Oh no! <gasps> oh my gosh! Oh my! Are you gonna say what I think you're gonna say? Oh my gosh! Say it. Do it. I didn't really grow up with Winnie the Pooh. <gasps> wow! I didn't really grow up with Winnie the Pooh, and I'll, I'll even I'll even hazard. You know, I I wasn't necessarily a Disney a Disney kid. That wasn't a major part of my childhood. I was aware of it. <laughs> I was I was into it for the most part. And like I, I I have to be honest about that as much as I'm like oh, bashful about it. At the same time, that 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 has been like really like zero obstacle to my experience with the production and my relationship with the audience mm. because it's really delightful to I mean and there's almost like kind of like a mask like um aspect to it where I'm seeing how the audience is reacting to these characters and mm-hmm. and it's like informing me like oh this is what this means to them and this is like what this is for them but in terms of the process, for me, and, and this is something that that um, I'd been reflecting on in the course of, of quarantine, just to give context with it as well. Like, I didn't grow up watching Winnie the Pooh, but I did see episodes. I did watch it. I saw a movie or two, but I wasn't... What I really... I re- <laughs> as a kid... I grew up watching like comedy specials. I look back, I don't I don't think oh of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but like when I listen so when I listen to like comedian podcasts or like comedians sh- talking about their childhood and they talk about you know comedians that are x age talking about listening to vinyl records and like like lip syncing to vinyl records of comedy stuff. I don't think of it that way, but that was me watching comedy specials on TV and like recording them on audio tape or on a VHS. <laughs> I, I have no memory of this, but like, oh yeah, I totally did that. Yeah, yeah, Like that was me. And so in approaching this production with like, you know, it's a very loose parallel, but my, my cast members and whoever who grew up with this, like I grew up with as like comedy as my childhood thing. And so I, I, I like to view the, the, the performance as, as like comedically imbued and um you know we're 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 always as the cast we're always like uh massaging these comedic moments and working out the, the humor of the show and um that makes perfect sense we both trained with Atlantic Theater Company so our whole philosophy that we studied there is that you know the character is a byproduct of the action that they're do that you're doing yes. and this is exactly the same sort of thing where yes. you're just going on you're playing a character and the comedy and the audience is bringing everything to the character that you need yeah I, of course cuz i'm like you're is like yeah. my who like I have a very deep emotional connection to Eeyore, so I just put all of that on there already. I've got to say though, I think it's interesting hearing like thinking about you being younger, listening to those comedy tapes. I really see that in your performance as Rabbit. I can't explain it, but 150%. it's in Rabbit for sure. Like, like put a microphone in front of Rabbit and just like go a little stool with a glass of water. Like you're set. That is hilarious. I'm so good. I do want to say, I want to say, okay, now that, now that I know that makes sense, I'm going to add a little, because in the rehearsal process, you know, we, we all discussed our relationships with Pooh and I, my, I, I revealed my, like, my awareness, but lack of, like, connection in that way. I don't want to front necessarily. And you might, I don't know, in my head, I was like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't book this production. I was not cast based on my poo of, you know, knowledge or whatever. Like, that's not why I'm here anyway. I'm not going to, you know, fake my way through that. I'm yeah. just going to do what I know I can do and can bring to it. Um, and at, at some point, uh, the director, Jonathan Rockefeller, I, like early on in the, in the rehearsal, kind of like pulled me aside and maybe felt my like, how tentative I was being, like very careful, like, oh, I don't want to disrespect or like do whatever. And he he kind of broke it down to me, like, okay, you know, Pooh and Piglet are, are there, you know, the sentimental and and Tigger has the the raucous energy. He's like, 
you know, the characters you're playing, Eeyore, Owl, Rabbit, these are the comic relief. Yeah. Like they're going to come in and break up like the sentimental moments and have. So like, and you have that, like do that, bring that. You have permission. And it wasn't like a grand moment. It was very much like pull aside. and But like just just that really paid off for me in terms of exploring the things I've explored and like living in the moments that I that I found and, and, and are working, you know? Yeah, they're definitely working from from our end, from what we're seeing. Like <laughs> yes. it's all landing. It's great. <laughs> it's great. And it's nice to have someone do their take on Eeyore, their take on Rabbit, because the characters are so timeless they've almost sort of become like archetypes i mean they are archetypes but it's just seeing different people inhabit them and it's it's what's so interesting to watch jonathan also encouraged us like as as much as we're bringing you know these these time-tested characters to life and there is a canon and a lot of preceding you know history and and background and all that this is our interpretation. We are going to make yeah. this our own thing. And like, as much as we will honor, you know, the pre-existing things, like don't feel beholden to, you know, there's room for, for that. And it's like, that was another moment of like, okay, I, I will, I will do my Eeyore. This is what Eeyore means to me. And this is what it's. <laughs> yeah. That's so it's like, I, it's almost like probably like working on a revival or interestingly, probably like Shakespeare too, where it's like, it's so well known. You can go in and play your idea of what it's going to be. Yes. That is a, that is a strong connection. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Is there, when you switch between these three characters, even though they're all tied together and totally, yeah. Being this com- comedic relief. I mean, they're they're, so, they're hilariously different. It's uh, it's incredible to watch. So, is there anything? I'm sure now that, especially because you've been doing it a while, you do, especially during this holiday season, multiple performances a day. Yes, we have. <laughs> um, is there anything that you need to do, or maybe had to do earlier on when you were developing it, to kind of anchor yourself when you're like, all right, switching from rabbit mode to Eeyore mode now? Was there anything physically or vocally, mentally that you did to kind of ground yourself in each of those three characters? Yes. Yes, there there is. Um it's Winnie the Pooh the the new musical adaptation, right? And I, you know, I'm, I I won't unleash it here maybe or maybe I will, but I I have a decent singing voice, but I don't get to sing in the show. You know? Yeah. Not, there's no there, there's no I think Eeyore has like a couple of of put-ins and rabbit sings, you know, at at, at some point, but I don't have a a moment as such. Um but in in preparing for the for these three you know very different parts you know uh eeyore lives in in the lower register and rabbit is you know up up higher and then you know nasal uptight lots of tension there and you know <laughs> delightful i can't even handle it <laughs> i know she's about to like her head's going to pop off <laughs> i what i i've gotten into the into the ritual of like really stretching my my lower register so I'm so I'm not, you know, shallow in, in breath and end up, mm. you know, tense by the top of the show, which is, you know, my first um character entrances with Eeyore. And then my last character entrance is Rabbit, which is, you know, up nasal, and then I then the 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 entrances uh, re reshuffle again. So um I, I definitely I prepare by like tenderizing my voice to go really low and and then high and then you know, more more diction work and in doing with owl and making sure all the r- rozzles and rolls and rolls and kind of really all these things. Yeah, yeah. like, Just delightful. God. Caroline, keep I it know. together, please. <laughs> so exciting. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah, I think I think it's more about uh preparing at the top of the day or performance and sort of flowing, you know, through than it is um, switching between the, the characters. Oh, oh, gosh, there is stuff I do actually. Like, probably not, like thinking, it's probably so integrated I, you don't realize. Yeah, I don't realize it. I really don't. So, like, it, uh, before entering with Eeyore, since since we discussed, um, you know, the marionette style, of, it, it's a physically engaging show. There is much athleticism happening on that stage, and so. With Eeyore, the puppet is low. And so to prevent, you know, back injury, as opposed to to sort of bending over the the puppet, 
it's healthier to to sort of keep your your spine upright and, and crouch down. Um, oh my god! So I've your I've core been, must be. I've been insane. working in. <laughs> I've been working in you know moments in in the block in the blocking where where like I I can engage with the puppet, but also moments where I can rest and keep the puppet alive to kind of you know navigate the the physical demands of it. Um, with owl, uh, the, I'm operating the puppet from behind in terms of preparing physically with the puppet. <laughs> oh, this is such a, this is such a, like the sharing. Do it. So before the puppet enters, um, we're, we're, we're at the, um, the, the wings off sta- wings, pun intended uh-huh. <laughs> off stage. Uh, and there's, there's light cast from the stage to backstage. And so. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying. so before I enter with with Owl to help connect, you know, a one to one with the with the beak movement. I set Owl forward enough to cast a shadow from the light coming from on stage, and I'll lip sync with the dialogue happening in the scene before I enter. <laughs> That's quietly so amazing. Oh. My God. And and if I'm glad you enjoyed that, I'll give you a cherry on top. It, it, this feels like this telling to um, the uh, right wing puppeteer between um, uh, Christina and, and Kirsty. As I have have like come to to like gesture with me in the <laughs> as I'm mouthing the dialogue <laughs> that's happening on, and that's you know as much as that's like us playing, and it is like for for the sake of humor. Like in the background of that behavior is me syncing up with like measuring, okay, yeah. how, how does the trigger in the for the beak feel today? Like that's me kind of testing it out, warming it up, you know, manipulating the the head movements and my getting in sync with the part with my partner's gestures and before we come on with that with that know it all, you know, <laughs> braggadocio. Uh, energy that's um, that's so cool that's relevant to that and and rabbit has has a whole a whole other where you're with rabbit you're connected at the feet right with rabbit yes the, there's um our out well, my my feet are in in the, the the back of of rabbit's feet there's um a connection to a harness under under the costumes i have my my right hand in in rabbit's head and um I, in, in most cases, I'm holding a, a prop through a thumb loop in, in Rabbit's actual left hand. Um, but there is a rod at the back of, of Rabbit's arm as well for that manipulation. That was an even better answer than I thought. It, it's I just know, so funny was, to uh... think about, you know, everybody does their shows. And once you've you've gotten into the habit, you're in the wings, like mouthing along. So it's incredible to think of a Hundred Acre Wood character also doing that. It's so <laughs> yeah. funny to me. <laughs> Oh, it's too much. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, in terms of, I know that we talked a lot about, you know, how, you know, you found the voices for these characters, but in terms of the movement for the characters, how did you find your way in there? Was there any sort of like research that you did? Did you look back at like other performances of the characters to sort of inform how they would move around? Or was that all just sort of organic out of the rehearsal room? That's that's a good question. Um, I think we kind of touched on like like the two previous uh, layers, but I kind I think of it in like three layers. There's the first layer of what the puppets themselves can do, and that and that comes from like physically doing it and like okay, like what does this look like? What does this feel like? What's what's that? Um, then then there's the layer of of like what is physically more efficient or like like what's going to prevent injury like how 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 can i do that i i found i found this thing but is there a i guess a safer or healthier way to do it so that so that i can keep doing it because there are some things you discover that like oh i really like that but that you know i can't do that every time you know, you know it's not sustainable sustainability i suppose and then the third layer was external research, which for me was watching, you know, rewatching some of the movies, 
watching like episodes of the television series. And that was collecting like, for example, like little moments in the animation and like, oh, the puppet can do that. Oh, cool. Like I can work that into the show. Oh, that look, that gesture, that expression, that like that tone, you know, I can I can steal that little bit and like work it in. Um, there's a few moments where where I get I get the Eeyore puppet to rest his chin on the ground and flop the ears down. Mm-hmm. which i don't know it's one of those moments like you got you have to be looking for it because i i nail it i try to get and i nail it and we you know work that in i know what you're talking about i know what you're talking about yes so i get that going <laughs> yeah. i i won't say the, that the blocking has changed necessarily but i've recently worked in another like more chin on on thing moments um i've worked in some more like like zonky rabbit expressions and like reaction like for the re- <laughs> reactions, <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so um, interesting when you do it now. It's like again talking about the audience projecting. You do it physically now, and I can see the puppet in front of you. Me. Can, it's you bizarre, can... <laughs> like it's so strange. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so interesting to me. Yeah. So, and and in terms of developing the the characters, I I think they all had had their versions of that, but you know, because they're very different puppets, you know, physicality wise. You know, um, there's a moment in the. Sh- oh, I don't want to ruin it. There's a moment in the show where 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 e- where Eeyore like the ear flops over and, and covers his eyes. I guess if 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 you know this and know that you'll you might you might see it coming when it when it does happen. But like that's another like little gem that to to reincorporate. You know, I think I, I thought that. that that happened by like mistake, Accident. and you just rolled with it. I remember specifically, I was like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do. His ears over his, over his eyes now. It's so interesting. Oh, wow. I'm honestly, my mind is blown. <laughs> That's like the highest compliment you can, you can give um, personally, because this is going to be a tangent. I'm going to bring it right back. Because I think of puppetry, and this is something I'm stealing from someone else, mind you. I think of puppetry um, treated in, in the way that dance is, mm. where it's an art form, where it's not entirely physical, but primarily physical. Mm-hmm. You know, dancers sacrifice their their hips and their and their knees for their art form. Puppeteers sacrifice their lower backs and their shoulders in most cases, right? And the beauty of dance, in a lot of ways, or ballet, to to point out specifically, is the idea that it's incredibly difficult, but you make it look effortless. Yeah, and that's where like the beauty of it comes in. We manipulate these like these little moments in the show where you thought wasn't it was an accident, where me and Chris were like brainstorming and like workshopping. Like, okay, if you put your hand there, and I know this is that like okay, if I flip it up, flip it forward, like what? How does it to the point where like you're watching the show and you think that just happened, and like and we're we're paying very close attention to to making to making that that moment. And there are lots of things sprinkled in the, around the show in, in that in that kind of fashion where hopefully it looks it looks as natural and you know mm. as that as that moment does. It does. I, I can't think of specifically what happened in this moment. Something with one of the scarves. But again, now oh, I know. I thought it was an yes. accident, and now I'm sure it was not. And it was carefully crafted. But the interesting <laughs> thing about the amazing thing that all of you do so well is that. I don't, I feel like I've watched some things with puppets before where you're like, oh, I'm nervous. If something goes wrong, will they know, like, can they naturally manipulate the puppet to fix it? And it's just like, it was also just like fling the scarf, get rid of the, of Eeyore's ear. It was just like, so like it wasn't, it was like a dance. It was amazing. So take that reaction and put that in your pocket. But is there any, are there any other, I mean, since there are so many kids, are there any moments that you just love doing or moments that have had a really memorable reaction from kids in the audience because they're right there and kids are vocal. Oh, so I'm they sure they are they, right like, there. Oh. And you know what it is? I mean, again, cause I, cause I didn't, you know, I, I didn't grow up with Winnie the Pooh and a big part of the experience that, that I'm, I'm appreciating and enjoying is, is getting the reactions at the same time. I wasn't expecting like a big pop on certain entrances. And in some shows, um, Rabbit is the last new character to to come in, you know, maybe like halfway through the show. And um, the reactions are like, what? There are Rabbit fans out there? It's like, <laughs> Rabbit! It was like, it's always that tone of like, oh, you 
Queen, there you are. <laughs> my heart. Oh my god. When 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 Eeyore comes out, there's a lot of reactions of like Eeyore, like, oh reliable. There we go. We knew y'all. We couldn't. I think the beauty of, of the moment when you when Eeyore first enters is that it's, you know, <laughs> the scene is happening regardless of him, and the audience is the only people who, who <laughs> A are aware of it and recognize him. And he's just, you know, he just sits there until until that that first moment and it's oh well, thanks for noticing me uh, oh my god <laughs> that's the thing just standing here when we saw it when he, I, it was someone around us closer to our age when you started walking on like in the background i just heard like a, a soft like sigh it was like oh <laughs> just like oh, Eeyore. are you sure that wasn't you caroline might have been <laughs> you might be right <laughs> Also, that rabbit reaction makes so much sense to me because I feel like I remember thinking that too, like, oh, yeah, we're going to get rabbit. And the puppet is so, like, he looks so bouncy and squishy. Like, and, yeah, and, like yeah. <laughs> The puppet is amazing. I mean, it's it's just, it's huge. Like, it's like, I think that's what really struck me about rabbit in the entrance because, I mean, up until then, we've seen all of the other characters and then rabbit comes in and it's just like and here is the piece de resistance of <laughs> what puppetry can be in this show oh wow i was going to say but before we kind of move on i want to give give owl uh his love because when owl enters and you know the wingspan you mentioned the, the biggest puppet i think in terms of visual space owl yeah when it when it enters and exits with the full wingspan I, we like to 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 give him that that crown um Owl entrances, the kids are like, Owl, look, there, there he is. There. He-. And there was one show, um, and I don't know if, if Chris will hear this because he and I uh reminisce about this one. When when Owl exits, like he, you know, Owl comes in, he he knows all the answers, he says what he says, and then he exits. And one of the kids in the audience goes, and Owl is gone. <laughs> 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 It's like, there he goes. (laughs) You need to, like, get that kid back and, like, plant them in every single audience for every show. show. Oh, Oh, my God. That's amazing. But, yeah, so, but now to hop back, pun intended, to what you were saying with with Rabbit, you know, um, connecting to before about uh, embodying the puppet as opposed to imbuing a marionette puppet that, that you're farther away from. It's been like a real treat <laughs> to to work in this style where where my feet are in the feet of the puppet and like my my hips you know can communicate through the through like that that kind of direct connection. Yeah. Now I'm curious. I know you're not a big Winnie the Pooh person, or you didn't grow up with Winnie the Pooh, but which Pooh character do you most identify with? Not necessarily one of the ones that you're portraying but just of any of the characters as much as i tried not to read into the casting and the the um at the, <laughs> at the initial workshopping and even now i really do relate to to eeyore and um and and rabbit in some ways i think we all have shades of of each you know persona depending on you know what cuz i feel like i might be a tigger with my puppeteer friends but i'm more of a a rabbit with my family like you know mm-hmm. like the youngest i don't you know <laughs> it should be like a horoscope like everybody has like you know a, a tigger sun and like you know an owl rising or something an owl rising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be it you know um i guess in playing eeyore thinking about like who he is what he means whether like how i can relate to him the idea of like being there to cheer people up and like, even though he's, oh gosh, I don't want to go into that. It's like, it's, it's a little too like sappy, but oh. if you haven't noticed, Caroline loves sappy. I was like, so yes, what? feel free. It's like, the, you know, the idea of like, oh, he's, you know, he's mopey and so-and-so, but you know, they still want, you know, they still appreciate him and, and keep him around and have him around there. And, and even though like rabbit can be a little, a little uptight, a little uh, rigid, you know, stern and, you know, it's, it, it all, it all comes from a good place. And 
you know, mm-hmm. with 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 Al, they they keep him around to kind of solve the problems, even though he doesn't. He just he makes them worse. Starts makes them worse. <laughs> But, you know, he's still a friend and all. You're sort of saying how, like, whatever your quote-unquote fault may be, it's valid. Like, it it has a place in the group. And, like, when it's coming from a place of love, like, it's okay for you to just sort of, like, come as you are. Yes. Yeah. Because you honestly, with what you just said, answered what I was going to ask next, which is from from your perspective, which you didn't grow up with it, so it's an outside perspective in a way. Like, what do you think you know, draws adults back to the 100 Acre Wood. But now you're making me think, like, I feel like that is kind of the core of the Pooh story is, like you said, Connor, like, flaws and all, come as you are. Like, you can be a part of this group and bring all your stuff with you. Again, not to make it overly sappy and, like, maybe look too far into it. But do you, what what else do you think it is? Like, have you, have you sensed from audiences maybe who are older who come back for it? What do you think is pulling people to the world of Pooh? You know, I I like to think it's it could be like the very nostalgia of it, mm-hmm. something comforting from childhood. You know, will will have that draw either way. But I think the global recent global hardships we're all going through in terms of pandemic and and quarantining, the idea of friendships and what that means and returning to that like childhood instructional manual of like you know this is this is this is friendship you know and going back to that i think that is what's what's drawing people now and i think that's a part of what's drawing people to this story and these characters well now you perform this show more than eight times a week, sometimes even three performances in a day. How do you keep it fresh? How do you keep your energy up, especially for those early morning performances? I mean, (laughs) it is not an easy feat what you're doing. No. How do you prepare yourself for that? Each track has its its physical demands and requirements, right? Um, And I I, I realized, or at least my experience in mine, in, in that, there are three characters and you're switching between these different physicalities and physical modes. So part of my preparation and recuperation between the shows before and between are limbering up physically and like making sure I have my access to my full range of my voice in terms of keeping it fresh. I think and I, I guess I'm I'm grateful to have a cast that is like all at once um, stable and reliable, yeah. But also like flexible and ready to play, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'll because because we're we're all performers in the room and perhaps puppeteers, you know. Otherwise, like in a puppet show, it's not about if something will go wrong <laughs> it's yeah. about what you do when something goes awry cuz that's yeah. that's the nature of you know let alone like a live performance live action where something can can go off when the art form relies on these external physical things that are crafted and, and built you know things can things wear out things happen so it's that kind of trust we have with each other to like, oh, this happened and keep it going. And even on top of that, the cherry on top of that is having uh, um, a cast that's that's always looking for like how to how to tighten this moment or like how to not necessarily bottle that that lightning, but how to craft a moment that like, oh, that worked when I did that. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to like make this adjustment, like a sense of play, you know? Yeah. A sense of play is is what keeps it fresh. And I'll tell you what, a big part of it are are the audience, audience reactions. We, we, you know, not, not that we live and die by it, but, but we definitely feeds us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll share like a, 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 something, a Chris Palmieri, you know, who plays, who plays Tigger, you know, and it's a very energetic, you know, he's the only one after all, <laughs> very energetic yeah. track and, and part. And there, there's times when, you know, when he's he's worn out, but the audience reaction, we're like, 
they'll they'll clap along with you know a whoopie duper and suddenly like this wellspring of energy you didn't know you had comes up yeah and so when it's the last show of of the weekend and eeyore gets that that you know gets that laugh from that first line and like okay my lower back isn't so isn't so tight anymore yeah or you know the, the the moments where like oh the audience they they get it like they appreciate this there's something that keeps the those those shows fresh oh, wow i'm such nice. a cornball that really makes me feel kind of emotional like that's what it's all i mean that's what it's all about oh my god I'm so sorry Caroline. but it's really just like wow it's really beautiful it, 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 it you you keep leading perfectly into what my next question is going to be and maybe this is a stretch but i feel like it might not be you know what you were just talking about of really taking the audience in was such a huge part of the Shakespeare training that I received. So how do you feel like, especially, you know, you did drilling company doing it in the park. Did that skill set come in handy in this situation? I feel like it really would. Yes, because it's like a skill set that's just like in, in the stew. It's all like a stew of, of skill sets in terms of like, Oh, this ingredient is like, Oh wow. I didn't, I didn't realize my Shakespeare, like Shakespeare things kind of became relevant, but the idea of, um, working working well working with the drilling company it's all outdoors it's like in the round primarily or thrust in most most cases or at least a wide proscenium at least um there's lots of distractions because it's outside in the city and you know it, it, shakespeare has a lot of fourth wall breaking and interacting in air quotes with the audience or like playing off of their energy or, or letting them in to be part of the story. And I think that that definitely is in, is infused in um all those those elements from the distractions to the like you know sharing it to to a, you know a wider um proscenium seating. As strange as it is theater for children like that is accessible to children in Shakespeare feel very intertwined to me and I find it very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like for children's theater you're you're delivering the text in a way that a child could understand it. You don't want to like blur the speech X, Y, Z. And in Shakespeare, you're delivering text that the audience might not understand. So you have to communicate it in a way that, that makes, you know, you're, you're, you're delivering your intention more than the words in, in some, in some sense. Yeah. In that case. Yeah, that's so true. There's a whole thesis paper in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, do you have any specific dream roles, Disney or otherwise, uh, you know, just for you personally? Oh, my gosh. You know, I I, I didn't grow up or, or train with like a dream role or a dream show in mind when I started to to, to work <laughs> in such a way. It, it became more like my my professional goal was to be in a production where I show up, warm up, dress up, go on stage, you know, and do 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 my thing, and then and then I I and then I go, and hey. that's that's kind of the the <laughs> the, the point of of uh, that I've that I've achieved in, in this production, to say the least. You know, my my dream genre is comedy, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, like as much as you know, you ask dream part, dream role. I, I don't think I have it as much as like, you know, something that showcases these things or that 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 allows me to work in a certain way. And I'm I'm getting closer to it or like I'm yeah. at it, but I there's yeah. more, there's even more to, to layer on that. So I'm I'm really yeah. It's that. probably healthier to chase after how you want to feel rather than like what you want to play. Because that yeah. could lead to disappointment, but how you want to feel, oh, you know, that's yeah. interesting. That's a really, that's, huh, I love that. Because also how you want to feel could happen at any moment. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a dream role, you attach it to a specific thing. To a time so, and place. Yeah, that's uh that's a much healthier way of thinking about things. And I am definitely going to be stealing that. Um, the next thing we're, we're getting close to the end. I'm really sad. Um, we, I'm interested to see what your answers will be. We like to just answer, have you answer some like, you know, little rapid fire Disney related questions. Oh, no pressure. Boy. It's, this it's, is good. It's no pressure. That, it's going to be funny. If you're at, like, at, don't the, care, just let us know. You're like, mm, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no connection there. That's fine. So, first question is, do you have a favorite Disney villain? Oh, um, a favorite Disney villain. I feel like this oh. says a lot about people. The, the I kind of do. Yeah. And you know what? 
a lot of, you know, I'm just, it's the kind of thing when people ask me about favorites, I, I like to throw the caveat of like, this is my favorite today. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you If you ask me the question yesterday or tomorrow, like I might give a different answer. But like the first thing that pops into my head for some reason are the hyenas in The Lion King. Ooh, good answer. I don't know why. But that and also, um, is this Disney, The Emperor's New Clothes, the the the, the queen, the... Oh, Yzma. We couldn't the, agree more. Yeah. We yeah. love Yzma, Yzma so much. Yzma is like Caroline's favorite, so... <laughs> okay. is it. <laughs> yes. That's a great answer. Eartha Kitt, you can't go wrong saying Eartha Kitt. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also love that the hyenas are a great, you know, they're great puppets on Broadway right now as well. So very interesting, oh, you know? yeah. Um, okay. Today's favorite Disney song. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is in spirit to to backstage because I know if if my castmates might hear this, it's the um from from Beauty and the Beast, the Be My Guest (laughs) (laughs) is 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 the one. And if they if they hear this, they'll know why and hopefully cackle like uh like I'm yeah. I love that. Shout out to the cast. I love it. I saw that you went to Hong Kong Disneyland. Oh my gosh. So I didn't, so in, in part of not being a Disney kid per se, my first Disney, I'm already answering your question. You didn't finish saying what you were going to say. No, no, no I'm, I'm waiting. I'm loving it. The um, My first, I didn't go to Disney as a kid. My first time going to Disneyland was on tour with the Very Angry Caterpillar. We went to to Hong Kong, uh, to Disney Hong Kong, and we went to um, Disney Shanghai. So oh. twice in a summer, both for the first time, and then I went to Disneyland in um, in the U.S. later. But yeah, what was the question you were going to ask before? Well, I was going to ask, first of all, I think, I, tell me what it was like having your first time being an adult. I mean, that's interesting. But I wanted to know what your favorite ride was, because Shanghai especially has... Like what looks like the best rides oh. we've never been, but would love to know your favorite ride. We went on a few. Um, I mean, it was it was the novelty meter was through the roof because it was like in China, but also the newness of Disneyland to me. Yeah, that's like, oh, like oh, that is a system overload. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Favorite ride: the Tron, the Tron motorcycle. <gasps> Bicycle Run, which is never going to finally be finished because we're supposed to get it in Magic Kingdom and Disney World. But they, we have been getting this ride for the past like 1,200 years. Like it's, they're never going to finish it. (laughs) Um, Who's your favorite Disney sidekick? Favorite Disney sidekick. Are we including Pixar in this? Oh, yeah. We can include Pixar. Oh, boy. Oh, think yeah i think i think i might go with with like you know sully and mike yeah for for that for that buddy buddy sidekick mm. nice nice my last rapid fire disney question so out of all the disney movies that you've seen if you could delete one from history forever just get rid of it because it was like absolutely no which one would it be Oh my gosh! I have, I mean I have, I don't think I've seen enough to really to, to that makes call that makes it more out. interesting. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, a good one's got to go now. I know he's gonna be like Beauty and the Beast, kill it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, part of me, I don't know, I don't know if this is if this is the answer I really mean, or if this was if this is just stirring up trouble. We love trouble, but I Do think, it. but I think a hundred a hundred and one Dalmatians. Valid to me. Yeah, I understand that. Bye bye puppies. And I don't, and I don't know the, if the sequels are included or not. But well, it, it, by you know, just by logic, you have deleted those characters from existence, so there's no sequels. All right, that's a bold choice. That's bold. I love I a like bold that. choice. <laughs> well, Emmanuel, this has been an absolute pleasure having you oh on. Oh my gosh, I I had a great time. Oh good, but my final question for you is. Why should folks come and see the Winnie the Pooh show and how do they get tickets? (laughs) Well, you should come see the show because it is a load of laughs and love. And it's it's a delight for the senses, you know, visually and and audio wise. It's uh, the original music from the Sherman Brothers are all in the show. It's like it will 
satisfy like the the classic hardcore poo fans and the and the youngsters new to poo i think we'll we'll find lots of uh lots of things to appreciate in our show and you can go to winniethepooshow.com for tickets right now you heard it here first folks um and emmanuel can you tell people who are listening where they can find you online um so they can follow along with everything that has to do with you and what comes next and what's happening now, all that good stuff. You can reach me at elpenord.net and you can find me on Instagram at sword.of.elpenord at sword of Elpenord. Well, Emmanuel, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, this has been just like such a pleasure and congratulations on the show. It's just, it's truly just such an amazing feat and wow. you have so much to be proud of. I cannot say enough good things. And really you make it look easy. We're, oh, we're gosh. so grateful. Thank you both so much. All righty. So that was our interview with Emmanuel Elpenord. Oh, what a delight. Thank you, Emmanuel, again for joining us. Oh. Thank you all so much for joining us for this very special wildcard episode. If you liked what you heard, please remember to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast and make sure to hit five stars and leave a review so that other people can find the podcast. They can read what you have to say and click play. I know it seems like it's nothing, but it is everything to us. So thank you so much for taking the time right now at the end of the episode to go ahead and do that. We would love it if you could also follow us on social media. We are at Poor Unfortunate Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and we are at Unfortunate Pod on Twitter. Definitely check the Instagram, especially for some materials related to this episode, some pictures from the Winnie the Pooh show, our selfie with Pooh himself, all of that great stuff. And of course, more info on our amazing guest, Emmanuel. And if you're looking for a little more Poor Unfortunate Podcast in your life, please join us in our private Facebook group, The Poor Unfortunate Fam. So that's a private Facebook group for our listeners. We've gotten to know so many of you so much better through this group. We share Disney news, we play little games, and just we love talking about the episodes with you and learning more about what you love to hear. So we would be thrilled if you could join us in our little nice little corner of the internet that we have going over there. And as I always say, it does take us a little bit of money to keep the podcast up and running and coming to you all. We do have a PayPal account where we are accepting donations. It is linked in the episode description and in the website links of our social media accounts. Truly, anything that you might be able to send our way goes a long way for us. You can make a donation of $5, $10, more than that. You can make it recurring monthly, or you can make it a one-time donation all of it just goes right back into the podcast to help us keep it free and keep it ad-free for the most part. So if you've been listening so far and been loving what you've been hearing, please consider maybe giving us a little tip. We are looking to get some more people to donate $5 before the end of the year. Our goal was to get 10 people to do that. So far, we've had two people donate. So we're looking for eight more people to donate $5 before the end of the year. I think we can do it. We're in that season of giving. So again... If you are find yourself able to throw a little bit of extra money our way just to help us keep doing what we're doing, we would really appreciate it. Well, alrighty then. That's going to do it for us. Until next time. Beluga, Beluga Sabruga. Sabruga.